This is part two of this uh, series of messages that I wanted to share with you uh, in the, the letters to the Thessalonians, that is Paul writing to the church in Thessalonica and being able to encourage them in their faith because they were such a young church and he had to leave so rapidly uh, when he, he basically got kicked out of Thessalonica. Uh, they created a city riot because of what Paul was teaching and telling people that they could uh, believe in Jesus, that Jesus had risen from the dead, that they could receive eternal life through Jesus Christ. Uh, that upset some people there, and ultimately um, there was some persecution that happened. And so before I dig into 1 Thessalonians chapter 2, I wanted to tell you this very, very true story uh, about Romania uh, coming out of communism. And uh, I know a few of you probably are familiar with the story. It, it happened in the, in the late 80s. And you see, in the area of Timisoara, in Romania, there was a pastor named Laszlo Tokes. And he was pastoring a small Hungarian Reformed church. And uh, he was preaching the Gospel very boldly. And people began to respond to the message of Jesus there in Romania. And they began to come. And within a couple of years, he had 5,000 people attending meetings, attending his church. The only problem is that any time a church is very successful in a communist state, they attract attention. And the attention is not necessarily something that, uh, attention of the communist government wasn't something they wanted, but it's something they certainly got. The authorities began to send armed guards uh, outside of his church on Sundays so that whenever they met, that they, people had to walk through uh, these people with carrying machine guns. They began to harass some of the members as well as the pastor. They confiscated uh, the pastor's ration book so he couldn't buy food or fuel. And finally, in December of 1989, the government decided that they had had enough and that they were going to arrest Pastor Tokes and send him into exile. They were going to remove him from his church. However, when the police arrived to arrest the pastor and his family, they were not prepared for what they came up against. And as they came to that church, there was a sea of people in peaceful protest surrounding the church, stopping the police from coming and taking away the pastor. The interesting thing about this uh, real, what they described as a wall of humanity, thousands of people, they were from all the other churches. Baptist churches, Orthodox churches, Adventist churches, Pentecostal churches, Catholic churches. They had all joined together in protest because they knew that the police were taking away this man and all he had done was preach the Gospel of Jesus Christ. The police tried to disperse the crowd, of course, and that didn't work. The people stayed in place all day. In fact, they stayed in place all the next day to prevent the police from coming and arresting this pastor and his family. And then around midnight on that second day, a young 19-year-old Baptist student named Daniel Gavra 
had some candles and he lit his candle and passed a candle to a friend and pretty soon the whole sea of protesters had candles. And the pastor said that when he looked out the window, he was struck by the warm glow of the sea of people that were there protecting him. Standing up for for him. And he said in that moment, he described it as a turning point in his life that broke down the religious prejudices and barriers. He said he was never able to think the same way about people in other denominations or other kinds of churches. Because they had all gathered together as the church of Jesus Christ. United and caring for Him as a leader. Finally, the the police did break through. They bashed in the door of the church. They bloodied up the face of the pastor, arrested his family, paraded him through the crowd, and off into arrest. But you see, that, that was not the end of the story. And what, what happened next was um, really just a, a, a move of God because the religious protest turned into a political protest. The people could not believe what the government had done simply because a man had preached the Gospel of Jesus Christ. And so they streamed into the city square. They began a full-on demonstration against the communist government in that town. And again, the student Daniel Gavra was there handing out candles in what was now a political protest. You see, first they had burned with passion for Christian unity, but then it turned into something where they were fighting for their own freedom. And it was more than the government could tolerate. They brought in troops. They ordered them to open fire on the crowd, and certainly there were some people that were killed in the midst of that protest, and there were some people that were hurt. And Daniel Gavra, that student that handed out the candles, was hit in the leg, and he eventually lost his leg. But the people of Timisoara had bravely stood against anything that the government was coming against them because they had literally, the government had crossed a line that the people could not go back from. Now, I remember hearing about these things happening in 1989 and was amazed at how quickly things turned. You see, the people of Timisoara had stood up to the communist government and they, some of them paid with their life. But it ignited a flame in the entire country of Romania. And the entire country of Romania rose up against the dictator, and they believed that they needed to stand for their freedom now at this point. And what happened was, the whole country protested to the point of overthrowing the communist government. And they threw out the dictator. And for the first time, literally in decades, they celebrated a Christmas day with freedom from the communist government. 
Daniel Gover was a student that was from a Baptist church, and so his pastor came to visit him in the hospital where he was recovering because of his leg, learning how to walk on crutches. And the pastor came to you know, pray with him and sympathize with him as a student that had gone through this kind of ordeal. And the, the student said, Pastor, I don't, I don't mind the loss of a leg. After all, it was I who lit the first candle. There are many times when we think that the little bit that we have to offer to God is too little. But the truth is that anything offered to God, He can use for His goodness, for His glory, and for His kingdom. Now the people of Romania learned that as they came into a place without communism, they were able to then worship in freedom, and it was still difficult. I remember visiting a missionary there, and it was hard. It was hard to, to minister to people, to help them to understand about the hope that they could have in Jesus Christ. But nonetheless, they were able to share the message. I think that the people that Paul was writing to in Thessalonica could totally understand and relate to what the people of Romania had gone through in our time. I think that they would get it because they also knew what it was like to be persecuted for their faith, to believe in Jesus and have others rise up against them in opposition. And Paul himself knew that, what that was like. I remind you that, remember, Paul came to Philippi, the first town, and got beaten and thrown in jail. God planted a church in the midst of that. He came to Thessalonica. There was a riot and they planted a church there. He went to Berea and the people from Thessalonica had gone there to stir up trouble for him. Everywhere he went, there was some trouble. But he continued to preach and share the message of the gospel. And nobody can read Paul's letters and determine anything other than his intent to be a good witness. He wanted to be the best witness for Jesus Christ that he possibly could be. And so I want you to take that in today as we read through these verses of uh, 1 Thessalonians chapter 2. And I want you to pay attention to the description of Paul's witness and what he talks about um, in the course of describing what a good witness, what the character of a good witness is. He says this, starting at Chapter 2, verse 1, You yourselves know, dear brothers and sisters, that our visit to you was not a failure. You know how badly we had been treated in Philippi just before we came to you and how much we suffered there. Yet our God gave us the courage to declare His good news to you boldly in spite of great opposition. You can see we were not preaching with any deceit or impure motive or trickery. For we speak as messengers approved by God to be entrusted with the good news. Our purpose is to please God, not people. 
He alone examines the motives of our hearts. Never once did we try to win you with flattery, as you well know. And God is our witness that we were not pretending to be your friends just to get your money. As for human praise, we had never sought it from you or anyone else. As apostles of Christ, we certainly had the right to make some demands of you, but instead we were like children among you. Or we were like a mother feeding and caring for her own children. We loved you so much that we shared with you not only God's good news, but our own lives too. The whole chapter is really about this. Paul talking about the ministry, the things that he had gone through, describing what it means to be a witness for Christ. He was not tooting his own horn. He was sharing the experience that had brought them together. Remember, this church was so young. He he had just witnessed to them. They had come to Christ. He didn't have a chance to really pour that much time into their discipleship and their growth. And yet already they had begun to demonstrate the character of a good witness themselves. That they had seen what Paul did and they imitated him. They began to share their lives with others. They began to be a testimony of what it meant to believe in Jesus Christ themselves. This is the main point of my message today. You see, the world needs to hear about Jesus in a way that demonstrates His commitment to their salvation. Live and speak the Gospel with the same character as the apostles of Jesus. You know, Paul was reaching out to different cities as an apostle of Christ. He was witnessing to the power of Jesus to save people, to heal them, to bring them eternal life. Because he had not only hung on a cross for the forgiveness of sin, but he was raised from the dead. And the power of God was moving as people trusted in Christ. The Messiah. The Savior. So we too have a responsibility from the Lord to share the good news. We have good news. We know about what Jesus has done. We also know that some people will hear it gladly. They will accept it. They will be changed by the message of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Some people will be interested, but it will take them some time. They will need to digest it. They'll need to mull it over and figure it out. In fact, when they talk about the people of Berea in the book of Acts, they said that's exactly what they were like. They had to really dig into the Scripture and try and figure out what Paul was really saying before they would jump in wholeheartedly. But they did. We know that others will not listen to the truth of Jesus Christ no matter what. That should not surprise us. Jesus said that that was going to happen. That we would face opposition at different times. But you know, it is important for you and I to note that the response of other people is not your responsibility. 
how other people respond to the gospel. We, we want them to. We want them to know Jesus. We want them to come to salvation. But it's not our responsibility. That's the responsibility of the Holy Spirit. Our responsibility is to share the message. That we are the people that are supposed to go and tell. That we should live our lives in such a way that people see the gospel of Jesus Christ lived out in a daily way. We are witnesses. Now the question is, will we be good witnesses? And that's why I wanted to read these verses to you today because Paul describes what it means to be a good witness. And now I don't want to scare you, but there's seven points to this message. I'm not going to go into a huge amount of detail because it would take way too long. But I do want you to capture the idea about what it means to be a good witness. The first one being willing to suffer through opposition. Over and over again, Paul and his entire team showed that they were willing to face whatever opposition was there because they felt that God was compelling them to share the message of the gospel. So whether it was getting thrown in jail in Philippi or enduring a riot in Thessalonica, whatever it would take, they were sharing the gospel of Jesus. Opposition will always be with us as followers of Jesus Christ. Jesus said that it would come. That there would be at times even suffering in the midst of sharing the gospel, of living a Christian life. And it, you know, we need to understand that the devil is still in this world. That Satan is opposed to the things of God. So as long as we stand for the things of God, as long as we are going to live a godly life, to share a godly message, that there will be the powers of hell coming against you. That should not surprise us. We do need to take opposition seriously. But if we're going to be a good witness, we need to say, I'm willing to go through it. And so I encourage you, regardless of what opposition you face, Keep on sharing the gospel. And you will be a good witness for Jesus Christ. To be a good witness is also to demonstrate courage and boldness. Now, Paul was a bold character. I mean, he did things, confronted people that I, I'm not sure I, I could do what he did. In fact, I, I'm pretty positive in a lot of circumstances I couldn't. He was a unique individual, but God instilled him with boldness and courage in the midst of his calling to share the gospel of Jesus Christ with the people that he encountered. And so he didn't hold back. And I'm encouraging you to do the same. Do not hold back. Be a person of courage and boldness in sharing your faith. Now, courage is not acting without fear. If you're expecting fear to disappear when talking to that co-worker or that relative that you know is having difficulty accepting who God is, let me tell you, courage is acting in the midst of fear. Being willing to push through being afraid of what they think or what they say. We need to have in our hearts the desire to share Jesus more than the difficulty that we would face from others. 
Being a good witness is acting without deceit. Paul said that he, there was no impurity, there was no flattery that was happening there. He was not trying to deceive people so that they would believe in Jesus. He wasn't trying to trick anyone. And so he was acting with integrity when he witnessed to the Thessalonians. And he wanted them to be the same kind of people. That if they would be people of integrity, others would know. Others would tell. And they could see who Jesus was because they could see the integrity of the people that were sharing the message. Now, while some people may not believe the truth of who Jesus is, they will not discredit a person of integrity. So, don't be deceitful. Don't try and uh, soft-pedal the gospel. The truth is the truth about who Jesus is. And we want to share it in a way that is with gentleness and respect, but at the same time, we don't want to trick anybody. We want to tell the truth for what it is. That Jesus can forgive people's sin, that He has risen from the dead, that He can give them eternal life. The fourth point is that a good witness is speaking as messengers of God. And that was Paul said that it wasn't just human ideas, this was not human thought or worldly ideas, but that he was sharing the message from God, that he was a messenger of God, and we need to take that on for ourselves and realize that when we have the Word of God, and when we are sharing the truth of who Jesus is with others, that we are messengers of God's Word itself. It's not just your idea. It's not the church's idea or the pastor's idea. This is a message from the Lord God Almighty. Now, there are many different ideas about how to worship and how to conduct church meetings and what kind of worship or what kind of prayer is acceptable in certain circumstances. All of that is subject to much opinion. But the basic gospel of Jesus Christ is the same no matter where you go in the world, no matter what kind of worship, no matter what kind of of church, what denomination of church, we share the basic truth of Christ. That Jesus has died on a cross for our sin. That He is sent as a Savior. That he, God has caused Him to be risen from the dead. That eternal life is only possible because of Jesus Christ for those that believe in His name. And so we speak this message as messengers of God. A good witness is not motivated by money. You see, Paul came to the Thessalonian church, to the people there in the town, and he didn't want their money. That wasn't the point. Now, he said, as an apostle, he could have asked for some money. He could have asked for some help. But instead, he and his team purposed in their ministry to work alongside of what was needed to happen so that they would not be a burden to anyone, that they would not hinder the message of the gospel in any way, that no one would come to them and say, oh, you're just doing this for the money. Now, there have been many complaints over the years from non-Christians about 
church and church ministries and money. And we know that it takes money to, to uh, you know, have a building. We know it takes money to, uh, you know, feed the youth when they come and uh, have a meeting. All of these things we contribute, but we do not ask for people's money out of a sense of wanting to get rich. We ask for the spirit of generosity in order to facilitate sharing the gospel. I mean, Paul and his team worked so that they could have enough food, that they could do what they needed to share with others so that they could take the gospel to all those different towns. doesn't mean that they didn't have any money. They just had to work for it. You know, when we pool our money to... to, uh, care for the ministry of the gospel, we're not doing a bad thing. But we want people to know that the primary objective of believing in the gospel of Jesus Christ is not about money. Point number six is this. Paul said that a good witness is not motivated by human praise. He did not go to the Thessalonian town to be patted on the back to look like a good person. He did not want people to believe just so that he could have a following and that he could point back and say, look at all the people that are listening to me. That's not what he was trying to do. He was trying to build the kingdom of God. And so he didn't care if people liked him or didn't like him. He wanted to share the message of Jesus Christ. Now, we all like to be complimented at different times. That is part of human nature. But to reach for that, simply to tell somebody that God loves them so that we'll feel better about ourselves, that's not what it's all about. Now, there have been many people who think standing on a stage is about pride. And that being able to be someone that is in front of others is uh, is somehow a step up in prestige. Let me tell you that anybody that stands on this stage or any other stage fulfills a place of responsibility that comes from the Lord. Now, maybe not everybody takes that seriously, but we certainly do here. That when God gives us the responsibility to pray or share the Word of God uh, in preaching or whether it is to lead in worship or play an instrument, it is because God has given us the opportunity to help others. It's not about human praise. Although we don't want to do a bad job, right? We want to help people be able to hear the gospel of Jesus Christ in a way that makes sense. But we we need to know that greatness does not come by being applauded by many people. Because when my life is over, I don't have to stand in front of you to be judged. I only have to stand in front of the Lord God Almighty. And He is the judge of my life and of yours. And so a good witness looks at their life and says, I am responsible to God. And I want to live in such a way that I fulfill 
an obligation to be a godly person. I want to represent Jesus Christ well. And so we witness for God's validation, not out of the need for others. A good witness is also caring as a spiritual parent. And Paul uses this in a number of letters, this kind of metaphor and imagery of a parent. And he talks about how he had gone to Thessalonica and they believed in Jesus Christ and he wanted to care for them. And he refers to himself like a mother that would care for her children. That's how he felt about these people that had come to believe in Jesus. He and his whole team shared their very lives, he says. You know, when we witness to other people, it's not just about sharing the message of the gospel so that they hear it and then we walk away. We want people to be able to hear the gospel of Jesus Christ and then we want to help them connect with God, live for God, grow in their faith. That's what discipleship is. That's what it is about. And so, being a good witness is just not about, you know, standing on the corner of the street and, you know, shouting out Bible verses. Now, let me be clear. I'm not dissing that in any way because there have been people that have been affected positively by street corner preachers that have literally been shouting out Bible verses and that's maybe the first time that they've ever heard about Jesus Christ. The truth is, as we witness to people, we have a responsibility to care for them in the long term. We don't want to just, you know, share the message with the kids that are in the community. We want them to come and learn what it means to grow in Christ. So we welcome them in. We want them to come on Friday night. Yes, they're going to play some silly games and eat chocolate pudding and spray whipped cream in their mouth. That's okay. We want them to hear about Jesus in the process of all of that. We want them to know that Jesus loves them and cares for them. We want them to grow in their faith. And so we will do whatever it takes to disciple them and share a little bit more. And every person that comes to Christ, we want them to grow a little bit more, and that's being a spiritual parent. It's how we learn to pray. It's how we learn to read the Scriptures. It's how we learn to bless others. How to encourage others to look after our families, to participate in the life of a church. We share it with each other. And I tell you all of these things because Paul was a very good example. He was a very good example of of what it would take to be a good witness. He tried his very best to share Jesus. Not put up any barriers with others. He wanted them to know who Jesus was. That was his goal. And that needs to be our goal as well. You know, as I come to the end of this message, I want to challenge you about your own life of witness. You may not consider yourself to be an, an apostle like the Apostle Paul. Very few people are are at that kind of level of God's calling to do that kind of work. But yet, 
we all have a responsibility to represent Jesus Christ. And as Christians, we want people to know the truth of who Jesus is. We want to demonstrate God's love to others that they would know that God loves them. We all have a responsibility to do that. In fact, in 1 Peter, Peter wrote to the Christians and said, Now, who will want to harm you if you are eager to do good? But even if you suffer for doing what is right, God will reward you for it. So don't worry or be afraid of their threats. Instead, you must worship Christ as Lord of your life. And if someone asks about your hope as a believer, always be ready to explain it. But do this in a gentle and respectful way. Keep your conscience clear. Then if people speak against you, they will be ashamed when they see what a good life you live because you belong to Christ. Oh, so important. That we keep our hearts pointed in the right direction to honor Christ with all that we are. And we have the opportunity to explain our faith to others, to share and witness about Jesus, that we're able to do so. You can share Christ. Even in its simplest form, with the simplest of opportunities, God can use the little bit that you would give the simplest words that you would share for His glory and for His kingdom. You can do something to share Jesus. I got this story from Dr. David Jeremiah in his latest book, Where Do We Go From Here?, and he tells this story about a prisoner, Min Ji. They were a prisoner in a North Korean labor camp. And upon her release, it was so difficult to be incarcerated that she decided that she was going to defect. She wanted to make her way to South Korea but in order to leave North Korea, she had to go through China. She successfully crossed the border into China, but while she was there in China, the authorities found out that she was North Korean, and they put her in jail. A month into her incarceration in China, she was moved into a new cell with a new cellmate. And on the wall of her cell, some former inmate had taken toothpaste and wrote the simple words, Jesus Christ. Really, the first time she had ever seen those words. And the cellmate that she was put with explained to her who Jesus Christ was. And she got saved. 
She gave her life to Jesus. Minji eventually did get out of that Chinese prison and did make her way to South Korea. Which is likely why we even know this story. She became involved with a group called Voice of the Martyrs. They began to train her in her faith. To teach her about how to grow in a relationship with Jesus. And she said, all she wants to do now is share Jesus Christ with whoever she can. Now, as far as I know, and certainly as far as David Jeremiah in his book wrote, this is the only time that we've ever heard of anyone coming to Jesus because of toothpaste. Toothpaste on a wall! You're saying, whoever put it there offered their little bit. They did something that is so seemingly small. And yet it had a great impact on this lady, but also on whoever she spoke to afterwards. Now, how hard is it to put Jesus on the cell wall in toothpaste? I don't know, maybe it was difficult. They obviously would have had to use a little bit. And I don't imagine toothpaste was easy to come across in a Chinese jail. However, the Lord God Almighty could use it as a tool to witness to someone else. What do you have or what can you say that God can use to share the gospel message with someone else? Sometimes we just think of our little bit as too small. And in truth, when we offer it to the Lord God, He can do something wonderful with just a little bit. So I'm encouraging you today to consider what you can say to that relative or that co-worker. What little bit of encouragement, what word that would help people to understand who Jesus is. And I'm asking each one of us to do our little bit for the sake of the kingdom of God, for the sake of the glory of Jesus Christ our Lord. Would you stand with me? I'm going to invite the worship team to come back. I'm going to I'm going to pray for all of you at once right now, but after we've sung the song and we've dismissed, if you have a specific prayer need and you want to come forward, then certainly myself and some of the other leaders will pray for you. I know that in this current season, it's not in everybody's comfort zone to do so, but if you would like some personal prayer, we definitely will pray for your needs and take some time to do that this morning. I want to pray for you in the area of the people that you know that don't know Jesus. We all have them in our lives, whether they're friends, associates, neighbors, our family members. We have people that we know who do not know Jesus. So let's pray for them today.
If you have some specific names in your mind, then just in the quietness of your own prayer as you agree with me, call out to God on their behalf. Ask that God would help them to know the love of God, that God would help them to know Jesus as Messiah. So Father, we come to you today and we say thank you. Thank you for helping us to understand what it means to be dedicated as a witness. And God, we know that we can't all be an Apostle Paul, but we can do something. God, would you take our little bit and would you inspire it? Would you multiply it? Would you help it to have effectiveness in this world? That the name of Jesus Christ could be lifted up, that people would know that Jesus is the path to salvation. That people would know that Jesus is the Messiah. And right now, I just pray for our church and all the connections that we have in our families and workplaces, all the people that we come across that don't know Jesus yet. God, we want them to know the truth of Jesus Christ. And so we pray for these people. Would you open their eyes? Would you open their ears that they would see the message of the Gospel lived out in our lives? Would they would hear the message of the Gospel conveyed to their ears? And so they might, in their hearts, trust in Jesus for themselves. We ask this in Jesus' name today. Amen.